You're listening to Country Music Success Stories featuring Music City mentor J.C. Don Valeris. Now, here's your host, Caddy O'Terry. Here we are in Nashville. I just love it. This Boston girl can't get enough of the people and the Southern hospitality. The stars have lined up, and I've landed an interview with Nashville royalty. She grew up in country music. Her dad was Conway Twitty's manager. And singing is what she's always wanted to do. I remember vividly, Candy. I had roller skates on, and I would roller skate out on the carport, and I honestly thought I was Gladys Knight. I really did. Turns out that little girl became a star in her own right, with her first radio hit at only 15. And I can't wait to hear her advice and her wisdom about what it takes to be a country music success story. Her name, Kelly Lang, and this is her story. Kelly, welcome to the show. Hey, Candy. Thank you for being here. I'm here at your beautiful kitchen table. I'm looking out on your beautiful pool. I just had a chance to meet your handsome husband. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. JC Dawn, thank you for having put us together. That's awesome. She's talked so highly of you. I can't wait for our interview. Well, JC Dawn Valeris, the woman that we're talking about, is somebody who grew up in Boston, lives here in Nashville, singer, songwriter, and does just about everything else, right? Yes, I call her Superwoman. <laughs> when I was preparing for our interview, I discovered that you were on Star Search. Yes. And so was I. No way. But I didn't make it to the finals. In fact, I hardly made it onto the show. I got to the very last cut before I made it to the season. Oh. So I wanted to talk about you. Take us back to Star Search. Oh, my goodness. I was 17 and I was working already around Nashville and Star Search came to me and asked me to try out, which was totally bizarre. And when I went to try out, they said, Oh, we really like you, but you're too young. Well, why did you come to me? (laughs) You know, so they said to come back the following year, which I did. And I made it. I was 18. I was the youngest one that had gone to California to do this show at that time. And, you know, Candy, at the time, I had more enthusiasm than talent. I look back on the videos, and I'm just mortified. Three times I won, and then they brought me out to do the semifinals, and I didn't make it on that time. But it was a blast, and, you know, when you're going through something like that, it's just so surreal. You can't believe the audience that you're reaching, and I think the original American Idol. Well, I was just about to say, for those of you who don't know what Star Search is, look it up, and look up your performance, because you probably can see that on YouTube. Oh, please don't. (laughs) (laughs) It's terrifying. Your dad was the road manager for Conway Twitty. Talk to me about your dad. Wow. Well, we lived in Oklahoma City and my dad was a grocery store manager. And every weekend that Conway Twitty, who lived near my family, would come in off the road, he would have these humongous checks to cash. And dad was the only store manager that would allow him to cash these large checks. And he loved dad and he started just hanging out with him and loved his values and his way he did business. And he said, you know what? I want to open some grocery stores. Would you manage those? And then it evolved into, hey, would you go on the road with me and manage everything that I do? And he did that for 25 years. And so when I was, I guess around six or seven, we moved the whole organization, which was about 30 or 40 of us, all in one caravan from Oklahoma to Hendersonville, Tennessee, where I still reside dad worked with him up until the day he died. You know, I'm thinking that if you grow up in that kind of an environment, country music has just always been in your life. Well, I I thought that was normal. Like, (laughs) I thought all parents had superstars for bosses. I I did not know that was unusual because that was all I knew. But it was really not unusual for Loretta Lynn to call or George Jones to call and ask my dad for advice. 
a matter of fact, they both wrote about my dad in their books. My dad had a really great reputation. I'm really proud of that. Tell me a little bit about what life was like in your house. I'm guessing that your dad was on the road a lot. Yeah. What were the values that you grew up with? Oh, I don't know if I have values. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm the youngest of four, and my parents were very strict. Their big requirement for all of us kids was whatever we chose, we had to be nice. We had to be the very best person we could be to whomever we were in the room with, and otherwise nothing mattered. Tell me about the very first song you ever sang in your whole life and what the reaction of the group was. Well, my grandmother played piano by ear, and so there was always a piano around when I was little, and so... I played I Dropped My Dolly in the Dirt at three, I think. And my grandmother came in. She was like, what on earth? You know, so I was I was playing at three. And I probably sang Rocky Top first at maybe two, I think. How, how does that go? Rocky Top? I don't know it because oh, I'm, come I'm, a, on. I'm, a, I'm a Boston girl. I've never heard this song in my life. You do not want to hear it. Okay. All right. I'm going to trust <laughs> ask, you on that. Ask any University of Tennessee fan how it goes. Rocky Top. I'm going to totally do that. You record your first song at 15, and it made the Billboard charts. Lady, Lady. Talk mm-hmm. to me about that. I was around Nashville a lot and hung out with a lot of songwriters. And I've always hung out with people that were quite a bit older than me because I just had such a, a passion for what they were doing with their music, and I learned from so many people. And a guy named Stuart Harris wrote that song for me, and... He just wanted it to be a song that was tender towards my age and right. respectful about my age at that time. And like I said, I had much more tenacity than talent. And I, th- I just loved that he wrote a song really for my personality. And the funny thing about that song, it started getting some play on radio, especially here in Nashville. And CMT, which is Country Music Television, they took a liking to that. And they were just starting up their new programming on their network and needed content. So they came to me and asked if they could pay for my video just so they would have more things to air. And to I was which like, you said, absolutely. Well, of course, you know, and I got to kiss this real good looking cowboy in it. So it all worked out well. Tell me about the first time you ever heard yourself on the radio. Well, it was around that time. I was 15. Do you remember where you were? With my mom. My mom and I would go on the road and we would do radio tours and... Sure. and uh I would hear it a lot while we were on the road and doing those kind of well, things. Well, the best so. part is when you when you go into the radio station that you're driving out away from the station and they're playing your song. Yeah, that rocks. Right? <laughs> I had I'm not going to lie. <laughs> years ago, I talked to Gloria Stefan and she told me the first time she heard herself on the radio, she was driving her 1974 Datsun and she was in a traffic jam and she just rolled down the window and she was like, that's me. I'm on the radio right now. You know. One of my favorite stories regarding that is my husband is a country singer and he was also in the uh, record business. He was an executive with different labels, RCA being one of them. And um, this young guy, scruffy looking, long haired, dirty kind of looking young guy came into his his record place where he was working. I don't remember the company it was at this time, but he said, I'd like for you to, to play my record and see if you can get it, you know, on radio. And so he listened to it and he goes, oh, this is pretty good. So they took it to this radio station. And the guy goes, yeah, this is really good. I'll play it on the radio right now. And he goes, no, no, no. Wait until we get out to the car because I want him to hear it on the car radio. And so he gets in the car with the scruffy looking kid in the back seat and they play, ladies and gentlemen, debuting Neil Diamond. And he 
got to debut Neil Diamond's first song and There's he was there with him. There's just something about hearing it come out of your radio in the kitchen or your radio in the car that makes the whole thing so amazing. It is. Let's talk a little bit about your early career, your rise in country music. It is hard work and it's not just about being well connected. It is hard work. What do you remember about those days? And if there's a young singer listening to us, what advice could you give to her or to him? Well, I've never looked at it as work and I've never really looked at it as hard. There's a lot of hours that you put in and there's a lot of things that you might miss, you know, proms or certain parties or games or whatever you think um, a person that age would want to go to. But it was always such a passion for me. I've always just uh, felt driven by the desire to improve myself and keep going with my, my music just to see how far I could go. And I love every single aspect of it. I get a little charge out of mailing something or learning a new program on my computer. And, and uh, again, thanks to JC Don Valeris, I'd honestly given up a little bit of it because I'd taken some time off. And when she came into my life, she was like, no, we got more to do. So I love the empowerment that JC has given to me. And I hope that I've helped her with things as well. And it's not work for me. It's just a passion. So therefore, if you find your passion, it's never work, right? You are also a prolific songwriter. And I wondered if you can tell me a little bit about your process, you know, how the songs come to life. Is it a lyric thing? Is it a melody thing? How does it work for you? It's a God thing. I just honestly feel like I am the vessel holding the pen. And Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and a melody is already like flowing through my head and I have to check myself. I'm like, Did I, have I heard this before? Was this something on the radio? I don't listen to much radio, so it's probably not. And I end up humming to my voice memos. Thank goodness for that on my phone at this point. It used to be a cassette recorder by my bed. And I have little scrap pieces of paper all over the house and I look at them and a lot of the times I'll write things when I'm in the bathtub and again thank you for my phone now because I can now just speak into that and it holds that but it's something that I never know when it's going to come and I can write by appointment you know and you can go and sit and talk with the writer and you can decide what you're going to write but it's my least favorite way of doing it I would rather just wake up and be go oh thank you you know here it is you mentioned the little pieces of paper and so I wanted to let you know that in an interview that I had with James Taylor he told me exactly that he said that he had a little pad of paper kept Mm -hmm. it in his pocket all the time and he'd write down little lyrics, little lines, little phrases. And he had to tell his wife, please never throw away any piece of paper yeah. that you find in my pocket because that yeah. just might be my next big song. Well, you know what's really cool is you think that that is what the song's going to be about. And then maybe six weeks or a year later, you find another scrap of something else and you go, oh, that's why it didn't work because these two pieces of paper are supposed to go together. The thing I w- would like to encourage other writers about is nothing is written in vain. Nothing is created in vain. Most of the things that I have had success with have been something that I've written even as far back as 15 or 16 years prior. And all of a sudden it starts showing itself again and people think like it's the first time they've ever heard it. And a pure example of that is I wrote a song right before I was going through a health crisis and it was a nice little song. It was it got some feelings off my chest and I was actually writing it about someone who was taking care of their husband and I felt sorry for her because she was trying to be everything for her husband. She kept saying, I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here by you, you know. So I wrote this song and it was cut by a couple of people and I let it go. 
And so 16 years later, a huge hospital corporation came around and are now using it as their theme for their hospitals. So if anything, just write it, let it go, let it breathe, and then it will come back to you at some point. You mentioned a health crisis, and I wondered if we could talk a little bit about your breast cancer diagnosis in 2005. Mm -hmm. You know, I lost my mom to breast cancer when I was a teenager. So the fight against breast cancer has always been something I feel so passionately about. And every woman that I interview who is a breast cancer survivor says it changes you from the inside out. (laughs) How did it change you? That's a kind way of saying it even. I was 36. I had two small children. They were nine and 13. I was single. And my mind was set on a career. I just signed with a new record label. I was ready to get on with my life. And bam, you know, I felt this little knot. And so lo and behold, it was the strangest thing I've ever been through in my life. I I was mad. Honestly, it kind of halted my plans. And when you go through something like that and the doctors say, it's already spread, you're going through chemo, and you see yourself bald and green and scarred up and 36, 37 weeks of radiation I had ahead of me. It was horrific. And you know, some might look at that as a death sentence, but I just chose to look at it as my life sentence. I just felt like it gave me an opportunity to live life way more abundantly and appreciatively. And I promised God if he would just let me live, I would try to be some kind of light for somebody else going through this. Because honestly, Candy, I didn't have anybody to talk with even. Nobody that I knew my age was going through something like that. And I honestly had to be brave and not show any type of fear around my children or my mom. And I had to laugh a lot and pretend like it was just a bump in the road or bump in the boob, you know, <laughs> but it was, it was terrifying. And I just thought, this is not me. I'm not a scared person, you know? So I started looking at like the sky was bluer and the trees were greener and the songs were louder. It's been a blessing to me. I've learned a lot from it. Who's XOXO? Oh man, you did your homework. Through that period of time, I like to laugh a lot, and uh, I was doing a lot of writing with country singer Lori Morgan, and we ended up writing her whole I Walk Alone album at that time, and we were teasing about her upcoming event that there was a lot of uh, fans that knew way more about her than she might have them. We were teasing about what they act like and look like and dress like sometimes, you know, and and they're very aggressive. So I got into my closet, and I pulled every kind of animal print out I could possibly get. And I showed up at the next writing appointment and acting like this character that we were teasing about. And so it began. And oh my <laughs> like gosh. Like an alter ego. Yeah, oh yeah. No, actually, Kelly she's my ego and okay. I'm just altering as Kelly, okay. you know. But she's so much fun to play because it's things that you wish that you could say in real life, but you just can't get by with. And I can say horrible things and get by with it. It's so much fun. Who oh, really wow. fills your soul and, and makes you feel like you've learned something from them? Um, J.C. Don Valeris is one of them. I'd put her close to the top. Um, another one is Olivia Newton-John. She is a real inspiration for me in so many levels. I met her when I was a child and then got to know her later in years. You know, she's a breast cancer survivor as well. And she calls me all the time with the newest and latest and greatest ways of naturally taking care of myself. You know, who gets that? You know, who, who has that opportunity? And it's not even on a music level that we have bonded. It's as a mother to mother, sister to sister. She's just like an angel to me. 
Let's move on to TG, because this is quite an incredible love story. Evidently, he has known you since he, you were 14 years old, and then you both went off and had different lives, and then you came back together again, and it's a beautiful love story. Tell me. <laughs> it's bizarre. Oh, my goodness. Like I said, I began singing when I was very young, and TG was an opening act, and actually for Conway Twitty, and actually a business partner of my my dad and Conway, and his career just was huge. Oh my gosh! If if, if people aren't familiar with TG Shepherd, he had twenty one number one hits, and right when I was beginning my career, his was just flying. I just always liked him. He was just a likable person, and I had admiration for his work ethic. I never thought of him like a romantic partner in any way. So I started doing a lot of opening acts for most everybody in the area and a lot of shows with with TG and Mickey Gilley and Lee Greenwood and those kind of guys. And he was just always so nice, just always kind and inspiring. And he put me on a few shows out in California with him, some television shows and stuff, which further opportunities as well. I would see him at different events in Nashville, maybe every four or five years. And I don't know, there's something about him. I was just thrilled to see him. I wasn't like attracted in that way. I was a kid, you know, just yeah. always happy to be in his presence. I married at, ni- at 19 to the father of my children. And it was like, it was 15 years of, I'm grateful I have my children. How about that? So I knew TG's first wife. She's a lovely lady. I still love her to death. Her name's Diana. And in the meantime, their marriage didn't work out. He married another person. And I, I, I was married, but really, you know, just on the ends of things. I ran into him at an event and I said, hi, TG, how are you? And he says, oh, I'm fine. I'm, I'm getting married. And I go, oh, oh good, for, <laughs> good you. for you. You know, <laughs> then I found out she was my age. I was so mad. <laughs> I don't know. I never thought about what, you know, he was, I couldn't believe he would marry somebody my age. I was devastated. And I came home and I said, mom, TG's marrying somebody my age. She goes, you know, he always had a crush on you. What? You know, <laughs> no idea. So fast forward many, many, many more years later, I ran into his first wife at a party and she says, how are you? And I said, oh, it's been a rough year. I've been with the divorce six months ago and blah, blah, blah. She goes, did you know TG single? And I thought, okay, that's weird. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's hard to keep track with this guy. <laughs> I know. I'm like, okay, what are you telling me for? You know, come to find out she called him and told him that I was single and he better go get me. So he did. And we've been together almost 20 years. You mentioned children and being a mother. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me how did motherhood change you? It is the hardest job I have ever experienced. Singing careers, nothing compared to motherhood. It leaves you raw. It leaves you grateful. It leaves you scared. You feel like you're always doing something wrong. (laughs) It's unbelievably humbling. Then you see them grown and affecting other people in a positive way. And you hope you had something to do with that. And you see your little kids fly. And it's just unbelievable how much depth motherhood is. It's crazy. There have been so many highlights in your career, and the list just goes on and on. But I picked a couple of things. First of all, you performed Islands in the Stream at Kenny Rogers' induction into the Country Music Hall of Fame. What an honor. Take me with you. You walk out on that stage, and what was that like? That was the highlight of my career. No kidding. I picked a good one. You did. That was the, that was the best. I got to tell you a little funny backstory, okay? So 
I had become friends with Sir Barry Gibb of the Bee Gees many years. The Barry the Gibb. The Barry Gibb. Um, many years earlier through a benefit that we did together. So Barry called me and he says, hey, Kel, I'm going to be singing Islands in the Stream at Kenny Rogers Induction. I'm like, why would he call and tell me that? And he says, are you available to sing that song with me on blah, blah, blah date? And you know what I said? What? I said, hey, um, hold on just a second. Let me check my schedule. <laughs> Let me just see if there's anybody else, like maybe Sir Paul McCartney, who wants me to sing Amazed with him. I mean, like, oh, my God. Uh, You know, you had to, I just giggle at that. I told him later that I'd done that. So you walk out on that stage. So, I mean, the thing is, is that anybody that is in the music industry, they are highly keenly aware of Sir Barry Gibb. He's the second highest financially rewarded earning songwriter underneath Paul McCartney in the all of history of music. So that's a thrill in itself to walk out with him. And he's the one that's nervous. He was sweating and shaking. He was a nervous wreck. I was having to like calm him down. It was the most bizarre thing. But I roomed with Lou Harris and Alison Krauss. Oh my goodness. And Oh my gosh, Candy, you walk out and and naively in my head, I'm thinking, I've sung with Barry before. I can handle this. That was the least of my fears. I walk out and there's Kenny Rogers, which, you know, you you know he's going to be there. Then there's Bobby Bear and Barbara Mandrell and Garth Brooks and... Oh my gosh. You know, I wasn't expecting for some reason to see these faces. What goes through your mind? Do you feel like you've made it? I don't think you ever feel like you've made it. I don't think there's ever that cap to the feeling of you made it because if you do, then you give up. Maybe, I don't know. But it's a feeling of like a euphoria that you cannot experience again. And I probably will never have that exact feeling again. So I knew to live in the moment. I knew to just eat this up. And I was like radiantly on fire in my head with happy. (laughs) You've done a lot of cover songs. Mm Mm-hmm. How do you respect the original song and then make it your own? That's a great question because so many people, when they do cover tunes, they try to change them too much, I think. They try to get so away from the original characteristics of the song that although it's cool and it's a neat thing, I like to stick as close to the original as I can because I loved them. I love the guitar breaks. I love the certain rhythm to things. Anytime I ever do a cover tune, it's never to improve upon the original because I don't think that's possible. I like to do it in honor of them. And, you know, a lot of times I choose songs that are recorded originally by men. And then a female vocal on top of that's going to be your twist. You know, that gives a whole different context to the lyric or just the texture of the song. The latest CD is called Old Soul. Are you an old soul? You bet. <laughs> I love vintage clothing. I love older houses. Heck, I, I even like older men. So <laughs> <laughs> talk to me a little bit about how this whole record came together, why you chose these songs. This particular album was songs that I grew up with. My mom always had music playing in the background and it wasn't always country. You know, she loved Gladys Knight. She loved Frankie Valley. She loved, you know, Al Green. All of these songs are things that I grew up listening to. And the Gladys Knight song on here, I've got to use my imagination. I remember vividly Candy. I had roller skates on and I would roller skate out on the carport and I honestly thought I was Gladys Knight. I really did. I still think I might be related. We don't know. These are songs that bring up happy times for me. They're safe times, you know, and I really hesitated on whether I should release an album at this time, but it was already recorded last year. And I can't now think of a better time that we all need to go back to a place where these songs bring you to a memory where we felt more safer, kinder, simpler. 
I'm sitting here in this beautiful home of yours. Thanks again for, for having us here today. And I learned that you are also a visual artist. You paint on canvas. What is this? <laughs> is your talent endless? Oh, yes. I can't cook. <laughs> well, neither can I, but you know. So tell me about your artwork. My brother is a professional artist. He's a trained professional artist. My mom has always dabbled in, in oil paintings and all, but I just never thought about it. I just thought that was their gift and it was never something that I could do. But my husband, when I was in my 30s, he bought me an oil painting kit and he said, see if you can try it. And I thought, this is harder than I thought. This is crazy, you know. But the first thing I painted was an aerial view of a coffee cup. And I gave it to my husband as a gift because he wrote the Folgers theme song. The best part of waking up is Folgers the in your best. cup. Oh, my God. Are yeah. you kidding me? No. I so, need to hear him sing that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So every time a commercial comes on, it's it's rather exciting in our home. <laughs> That but anyway, great. when I took this coffee cup into the place to get it framed, she says, oh, this is so nice. I, I have to buy this. And I thought, cha-ching, if I can make money with oil painting, I'm going to go for it. If this thinging thing doesn't work out, well, I'm just going to make money D, with my know? oil paintings. And I did. Candy, I sold a lot. Of, and I don't know what right the heck the I'm gate. doing. Look yes. at you. I don't know how, what I'm doing. I have no idea how it happened. Last few questions that I ask whenever I get a chance to sit with someone who's as amazing as you are. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? I laugh at it because I don't look at anything as a permanent thing. And I just kind of take a deep breath and I pray. And I think this too shall pass. And if it doesn't pass on its own, then I make a few phone calls. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received in your life, whether that be personal or professional? And can you pass that along? My mother always gave us the most simple advice, and it comes from a Bible verse. It is everything happens for the best. That's her whole saying. And if you really adhere to that, if you really take hold of that little sentence, it encompasses so much. What matters the most to you? The people that I love, if they're safe and happy. Not really me so much, but I really want to make sure my kids are happy, my mom's happy, and my husband's happy, and my friends are happy. I just want to make sure everybody's doing well, and then I can rest. Final question. I believe that we all define success a little bit differently, sometimes at different chapters in our lives. Right now, at this very moment, what does success mean to you? How do you define it? Success to me is knowing that I've just done my best to be kind, to be loving, to be supportive of other people. I, my favorite thing in life is to lift other people up and to elevate them into positions that maybe a connection of mine could help somebody further their life around. It, that's success to me as a human being. The other, the music industry, that's fleeting, I guess. But as a human being, if I have done my job correctly, I've helped other people be better. Kelly Lang, singer, songwriter, producer, painter, wife, mother, and an amazing friend. Thank you so much for this interview today. Candy, you're awesome. Thank you for your time. Well, that was the inspiring story of one of my very best friends, Kelly Lang. Hi, I'm JC Don Valeris, your Music City mentor. Kelly has been by my side for a long time, and one of my favorite things about our friendship has been the fact that we have been able to help each other reach so many of our dreams and goals. Kelly and I have written songs together, recorded together, and we've even created giant marketing campaigns sitting at the exact same table where this interview with Candy was recorded. I'm telling you all of this because each time I sit down with Kelly or any artist that I'm working with, 
we start by working on a social media campaign. And I'm about to let you in on five different ways that you can make sure your social media is in tip-top shape for your next album or single release. Let's jump right in. Tip number one. Give yourself enough time to promote on socials. If you have an album or a single coming out, it's the perfect opportunity to create a steady stream of social media content to support it. And if you're one of those people who has a hard time thinking of things to post, a single or an album release will do all of the work for you. Make sure you give yourself at least a couple of weeks to announce the release. You're going to want plenty of time to promote all of the things that you are doing. Tip number two. Utilize every aspect of your social media to promote your release, not only your feed. When you have new music available, it's the perfect opportunity to have a presence everywhere. For example, if you have a great post to announce your next single, make sure it not only hits your Instagram feed, but you also have fun story posts and even a video to post on Reels. Go live and talk directly to your friends and fans. Platforms like Instagram absolutely love this, and they love to see you taking advantage of all they have to offer. Next, utilize your cover photo or page banner on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can use this incredible real estate to advertise your upcoming release. It's the perfect place to share the news that you have something coming. If you don't have a graphic designer to do this for you, I recommend using an app like Canva or Adobe Spark to create it for you. Both of those are free and they're downloadable from any of your mobile devices. Here's a tip. Although you can't add a link to a cover photo on Facebook, you can add a link to stream and download your release in the post copy, which will show up if anybody clicks on your banner. You can also utilize that little button below your cover photo on your feed to link straight to your release. Number four, update your bio. Make sure your bio across all platforms is up to date and it reflects the release that you have coming out. You want to make sure your brand is locked tight when your song or album hits, and this is just another simple way to make sure that it is. Finally, create a smart URL. Sometimes artists have trouble figuring out which digital platform they should be driving traffic to to promote their release. I always like to advise pushing as much traffic as possible to your own website, but you should always have a place for people to directly stream and download your music. You can do this by creating a smart URL. It will be one link that connects people to all digital platforms so they can choose their favorite to listen on. A couple that I really like to recommend are Linktree, smarturl.it and song.link. All three of these have free versions. One last piece of advice I have, and I can't stress this enough, call on your friends, family, and fans to help share and post about your new release on social media. There's nothing like having a fan club behind you to make a song or album successful. Ask them ahead of time, send them a link, and even some copy if it helps them. Chances are they'll be more than happy to post about it and to show their support for you and your music. Good luck on your next single or album release. As a singer, a songwriter, and the founder of Platinum Circle Media, J.C. Don Valeris walks the walk and talks the talk. So take her advice as your Music City mentor. For a free tip sheet on best practices for releasing your single or your album, just go to candioterry.com backslash country music podcast. Subscribe to JC's YouTube channel for insights and advice on how to make it in Nashville. And if you liked country music success stories, please subscribe and leave us a review. Follow us on social at Candio Terry and at JC Dawn Valeris. Thank you so much for listening.